Namaste and welcome to another edition of the Bharat Varta Weekly with Abhishek Paul, Nirav Khanodra and myself, Roshan Karyapa. We'll bring you this week's news and events with perspectives from all of our guests on why something is important. So, Abhishek, Nirav, how are you guys doing this lovely morning? Hi, Gary. Doing good. How are you? Hi, I'm doing Gary. well. I'm doing well. Hi, Gary. Doing fantastic. Yeah. Just super, finished a yoga class. Always feel refreshed. Wow. Very nice. All right. We have plenty of news to cover this. Uh, we'll begin with uh, an episode that we put out last week. So this was a very fascinating episode. I mean, I always uh, talk about the diversity we have in politics, right? I mean, Rohit spent about 45 minutes uh, full of rich insights, anecdotes, examples on um, this whole phenomenon of OBC politics. So he spoke about leaders, movements, uh, and various events that happened, right? Uh, Abhishek, what do you think about this? Yeah, very interesting episode uh, and well explained by Rohit during that. So I think some of the insights uh, about it that I found interesting was that one way of thinking about OBC politics is how it led to creation of several polls of, you know, the anti-Congress political parties in the country. So on one hand, OBC politics combined with the erstwhile socialist leaning sort of political figures, mainly from the uh, Janta Dal, Janta Party sort of family of politicians and the other poll was of course uh, BJP Jansang uh, and they also embraced OBC politics with leaders like Kalyan Singh right overall very interesting yeah I'm not sure I recollect the line exactly but something to the effect of uh, you know when OBC politics uh, comes to the fore that's when you know that uh, you know democracy is like truly competitive. I think that stays with me. All right, let's move on to the first piece of news for the week. India's GDP and other economic indicators seem to be back on track. The GDP saw a growth of 20.1% in the last quarter. This growth was aided mainly by 68% growth in construction and 49% in manufacturing. Financial analysts are pointing to certain reforms that help fuel further growth, such as decriminalization of financial laws, strategic investment, and scrapping of retrospective tax. So Nirav, very positive news coming on the economic front. Oh, yeah. yeah. So like this GDP data, what happens is uh, you can look at it as, uh, you know, glass three-fourth empty or uh, sorry, three-fourth full or one-fourth empty. Uh, there are a lot of people who are detracting that uh, like a year ago, uh, due to COVID lockdowns in 2020, uh, the corresponding quarter was minus 24%, right? So you've gone from like minus 24%, then you went to minus 7.5%, then plus 0.5, plus 1.6. And now finally we have a plus 20%. So I'm not looking at like one number in isolation. Uh, yes, like construction contributed a lot because a lot of projects which were stalled or were shut in the last year in the same quarter, uh, they've kind of resumed. But what is important is the trajectory. Also, uh, people should remember this was from 1st April to 30th June. And this uh, also included what India faced like a very large second wave of the pandemic. So I think uh, if you just look at it, uh, despite such a big wave, uh, Indian GDP has bounced back quite a bit and this momentum should continue. So what happens is GDP is a flow number and this momentum that is going ahead should continue. Little bit is like, uh, you know, mathematical jugglery because uh, you're comparing base effects and detractors are always saying that, oh, it's just due to like a very bad quarter last year. So it's better this year. But I believe that you see the whole trajectory, see it every quarter. And now you're seeing momentum has picked up with vaccination picking up and with all over India, the uh, lockdowns are being eased 
and restrictions are being eased we should see uh, good gdp numbers surprising on the upside going forward as well yeah for sure all right moving on to some geopolitics now prime minister modi spoke at the eastern economic forum on the advantages of an india russia partnership while stating that the friendship between the two countries has to quote stood the test of time the prime minister also stressed on the importance of economic and commercial engagement between the two states the prime minister extended an invitation to governors of 11 regions of the russian far east to visit india abhishek what are your thoughts yeah so i think the india russia relationship has been going through some interesting times of late as we know right since the turn of the century india has been getting closer to the united states in many ways while india's sort of good relations with russia are from far longer period right russia too has to do a sort of balancing act in many ways the china russia partnership today is very strong uh, russia is not averse to doing you no know, business with let's say pakistan as well today so it's this uh, relationship is sort of not very straight forward although you know there has been no sort of public disputes as such between india and russia so it was good to see the pm speak at the eastern economic forum uh, so this is an event which russia organizes every year they have been doing it since 2015 where basically it's sort of their big flagship economic event where they call uh, major political leaders ecno- uh, financial leaders and so on as your viewers can probably see uh, pm modi actually physically visited this in 2019 this time he was of course addressing over video so i think he touched about uh, various factors like india russia cooperation in the covid pandemic was highlighted including vaccinations where the russian vaccine although in very limited quantity is now available in the indian market right the sputnik he talked about manufacturing partnerships in various facets like he talked a lot about ship building for example he talked about energy related partnerships in terms of both india and russia can now basically cooperate on petroleum and natural gas a lot and that will help in making this region you know energy independent and he also stressed a lot on pharma right india russia cooperation in the pharma sector so overall it was quite a comprehensive declaration of a positive relationship between india and russia and there are a lot of places in which countries can cooperate of course strategically india is also major uh, defense partner with russia right including the s400 missile which is always talked about i mean on the defense sector itself the indian army is participating currently in an event with the russians and some other countries that partnership also continues to be strong the latest developments in afghanistan also mean that russia will be also a key influencer possibly in the taliban led future of afghanistan and so india probably will be discussing afghanistan as well quite a bit with russia going forward yeah for sure i think it will become especially important because that this phenomenon called dragon beer right that velina uh, chakrava often talks about how russia and china are collaborating on certain strategic geopolitical things all right so moving on india has bagged a total of 18 medals at the tokyo paralympics indian athletes won gold in athletic badminton and shooting with athletics in particular netting eight medals for our country some standout performances included pramod bhagat's gold in badminton manish narwal's top of podium finish in shooting and bavina patel's silver in table tennis nirav uh, so you've been following the games as well so what can you tell us about it oh yeah so uh one like really fascinating thing like india since like the first uh, uh paralympics so india has been participating since 68 paralympics have been going on since 1960 uh 
uh, all previous uh, Paralympics, we've managed a total 12 medals. The tally has just gone up to 19. This morning, we've had like one more in uh, uh, badminton in the SL3 category. Uh, Sumit, uh, and now, uh, so one second. Yeah. Uh, so it is Krishna Nagar who got in the SH6 category. Uh, as you mentioned, like we've done very well in uh, athletics. We've had athletes like uh, uh, Marian, uh, if I can pronounce it correctly, Tangavelu. So Mariyappan Tangavelu, uh, who's been a repeat uh, medalist over a uh, number of Paralympics. We, we sent like 55 uh, athletes and we've already got like 19 medals. Uh, special mention also for badminton. We've got five medals there uh, compared to zero previously. And uh, the Paralympics badminton coach, uh, Gaurav Khanna, uh, shout out to him especially. He was an under-22 India champion till he got an injury. And he was part of the CRPF and then started coaching uh, deaf and mute children on badminton. And he's been the coach for the para team. So it's a fantastic performance. I think uh, there's a lot of recognition uh, for Paralympians. Uh, this also does a few things where people start regarding uh, people with disability in the society and accepting them. There are quite a lot of people. Uh, we need our places to be disabled friendly. Uh, we need to ha uh, ensure participation of sports. So I think this is extremely, extremely uh, good result. And I uh, hope that uh, the momentum of interest in sports picks up and there's wider participation across sections of society. Could not agree more on that front. So India is also to deploy its long-range missile tracking ship. This specialized research ship can track nuclear-tipped ballistic missiles and aircrafts, as well as monitor low-Earth orbit satellites. The 15,000-ton ship was built indigenously and will be commissioned as the INS Dhruv. Abhishek, you've been following the story. So what are your thoughts? Yeah, so this seems like a very important step or piece in India's uh, sort of defensive puzzle when it comes to the Navy, right? With this, now India is like one of the five or six countries along with the usual suspects who have such a specialized weapon, right? So it's all countries like US, Russia, China, France, etc. who have this capability before. I think what is admirable is that this has been developed indigenously and it was built at the Hindustan shipyard in Vizag and now it's getting deployed as INS through. So it's not only uh, going to be useful for tracking incoming uh, missiles and aircrafts, but it is also something thing where you know our own sort of testing the whatever the testing that Indian Army Indian military does for its own missiles uh, this ship can be used uh, for uh, you know tracking and testing uh, as part of those uh, testing maneuvers right and uh, yeah it's a pretty impressive ship I believe 300 folks can be deployed on that uh, it has a helicopter uh, landing pad and yeah it's pretty advanced and impressive uh, by all parameters let's hope this adds uh, strength to our uh, naval forces all right moving on again on the economics front trade and gst collection data are indicating an uptick in economic activity gst revenue collections crossed 1 lakh crore mark for the second consecutive month coming in at 1.12 lakh crore in august the Sensex also crossed 58,000 with Nifty climbing to the 17,300 mark. Economic experts are calling this a resurgence from the virus. Nirav, again, I think multiple signals, multiple different parameters seem to indicate the same thing that there's some kind of a recovery in, in play, yes, right? Yes, absolutely. So uh, you mentioned GST collections. So 
actually like in the month of august uh, gst collections have dipped slightly so july was 116000 crores august is 112000 crores but uh, if you just compare i think 1 lakh crores is a good benchmark number if you are exceeding that uh, that's a positive we had seen a dip in may and june below that figure in april because this is a collection for transactions done in feb and march which just uh, taxes are paid in april that is a high water mark that's 1 lakh 41000 crores uh, towards the end of the year we should reach that number as well uh, other good data is uh, sustained exports so we've had uh, exports of like 32 billion dollars imports have also picked up which shows that uh, domestic economic activity has started uh, people are traveling about more uh, india is a very big oil importer oil imports have gone up which you should see as a sign of uh, more mobility so exports were uh, 34 billion dollars imports 46 billion dollars it's about nearly 11 billion dollar trade deficit but services are about uh, 7 to 8 billion dollar surplus so small trade deficit that is fine we continue to get capital inflows also uh, rbi's fx reserves have gone to 633 billion dollars so that's an all time high as well so as i said any one particular data you can kind of say oh it's for this reason or that reason etc and you can be a detractor but if you see all the engines seem to be firing i particularly like uh, gst collection number because it's actual taxes paid it's the first number which comes out uh, very quickly due to like our investments in it in the gst portal etc so comes out on the first or second of the month and uh, so this is a real time number you cannot blame uh, any kind of like gdp calculation methodology etc etc right so this is a number which we should keep a watch on any number over 1 lakh crores a month uh, is a positive sign right i think hemang uh, palan makes a good comment on the youtube section he says looking at festivals and the upbeat mood we should cross records in the coming months of gst collection right absolutely yeah it's good to do this live after such a long time right i mean you have some audience engagement as well so yeah all right moving on now we have some political news uh, congress has cut ties with the all india united democratic front in assam this move came after ai udf leaders made pro bjp statements party leader badruddin ajmal's brother sirajuddin praised the current assam cm's work calling him dynamic and number one the congress alleges that the ajmals are praising the cm to protect their vast personal and business interests abhishek uh, what is happening here yes so this seems to be like an interesting uh, development in assam politics uh, congress is now out of power for the last two terms and uh, uh, they went into an alliance with aiudf in the last Uh, election hoping to sort of stop the bjp coming back to power but it didn't, didn't really work out uh, well for them i mean as you said there are many theories as to or there is one public theory that has been touted by the congress party to explain their immediate uh, reason for cutting the ties but uh, i mean there are obviously more theories going around in terms of why they might have done it so one other immediate trigger is that Uh, there are by elections coming up uh, and they are mostly in the upper assam region uh, where iudf uh, doesn't have much influence so uh, so the thing is the aiudf party is looked at primarily as a party which is supported by uh, bengali muslims 
and uh, the Congress uh, probably feels that by aligning with that party, they may have lost out on uh, votes from uh, the Assamese, general Assamese population. And so they're trying to do a perception change or correction due to that, that will make them uh, more competitive in Upper Assam, which was the place where uh, BJP pretty much uh, won easily last time. So that seems to be uh, possibly uh, one reason why this split has come. Uh, but I mean, in India, these alliances get broken up and you know parties come back together once again. Uh, so let's see how that this plays out uh, going forward. All right, finally, I think there are going to be some regulatory tailwinds for India's fintech uh, specifically. Uh, the Reserve Bank of India's account aggregator framework went live on Thursday. The framework allows customers to avail various financial services from a host of service providers on a single portal. Four account aggregators, eight banks and the GST network were early birds to join the system. Uh, RBI Deputy Governor M. Rajeshwar Rao mentioned some of the advantages of the framework, including reduced compliance cost for SMEs and shared financial data. The account aggregator framework could also expand to offer better healthcare to users and easier access to credit. Some partners, including HDFC Bank, ICICI Bank, Access Bank, State Bank of India, Kotak Mahindra, and more, um, and non-banking lend lenders like Bajaj Finance and DMI Finance are also joining the network. So, Nirav, people are calling it like the second UPI movement for India, right? I think broadly, what I understand is that you know all of your data, uh, which is used for uh, KYC or compliance or all of those things are now shareable by third party, uh, third parties to, you know, your banks and lenders and so on. Right. So for instance, if you're applying for a loan, you don't really have to go through that whole rigmarole of like, you know, uh, giving all of your documents and so on and so forth, filing all of those to one particular bank or lending institution, right. You have this in a specific, I mean, you have this digitized and third party aggregators, like for instance, phone pay for phone pay, for example, can share this with the banks and so on. I think what this does is it perhaps opens up uh, the the amount of services that can be offered, right? Based on just this, right? So yeah, what do you think about this? Yeah, so absolutely. So if you just go back like little over ten years, if uh, any of our uh, audience has like uh, applied for any sort of a loan, it was earlier very much relationship based. You went to your local branch, where the branch manager would go through your account history, or if they knew you for like a long time. And uh, if they saw what kind of transactions were you doing and on that basis, loans were approved. So it was very difficult for people without a long credit history, small businesses or businesses which have started to get availability of credit. Right. And uh, what this new framework account aggregator framework is doing is kind of making use of all your data. And uh, this, Earlier, say, if you had a bank account with just one bank and you were very regular or you had a regular salary, you could only probably get a loan from that bank because that bank branch manager knew you, etc. And the rate may not be very competitive. What this yeah. account aggregator framework does is I could be having a regular account with, say, HDFC bank, but say ICICI is willing to give me a loan at a cheaper rate. I could actually shop around and this increases competition increases transparency. So not only is it good for the consumer, 
to get more options it's also good for the lender because they have a better visibility on your finances they have better visibility on your history so they can make better credit decisions so i think this is absolutely great uh, india is actually moving ahead on using big data and technology and as you mentioned it's a upi moment uh, we've leapfrogged over the western countries where they still have like the old fashion us has something called a fico score uh, and people have like a credit score so i think this goes a step ahead and this is absolutely fantastic yeah there's so much of information asymmetry right especially when it comes to this right and i think creating this sort of a competitive framework is uh, good for both parties actually good for it uh, good for you know i mean um, uh, consumers and good for institutions as well right uh, and given also that you know credit is credit access is such a pain point right uh, so yeah this is definitely going to free up a lot of that uh, yeah i mean it will be interesting to see you know how the fintech players uh, uh, you know uh, are able to sort of leverage this uh, in the next 5 to 10 years for sure all right so that's a wrap from us uh, uh, here on the weekly in terms of uh, news and events uh, upcoming we have a couple of very interesting episodes coming up uh, uh, i just recorded a, a fascinating episode with uh, dr yogesh panchwag who has been at the forefront uh, in the dinanath mangeshkar uh, hospital uh, uh, on on vaccinations right i mean they've done something like 170000 vaccinations uh, since march 2021 um, and uh, it was um, it was quite emotional actually listening to him uh, in terms of how they are dealing with covid right i mean uh, healthcare workers have been on the front line and uh, i think over the last 18 months they have been our superheroes right they have had to work non stop uh, to really keep the country on track right and uh, vaccinations i mean we we're seeing record number of vaccinations we vaccinated over 52 crore people uh, i think and you know we do we're doing uh, vaccinations of 1 crore plus uh, in a in a day multiple times right so uh, dr yogesh offered a, a like an insider's perspective on how all of this is coming together on the ground uh, again uh, very very short episode but uh, amazing insights uh, do check it out um, i'm yet to record this second episode on startup ipos uh, i mean those of you who know me i mean obviously know that uh, you know i'm a very passionate startup guy right so uh, we'll be talking to rajiv and nimish uh, who i spoke earlier on the whole fundraising frenzy a few months back right so this again will be a an interesting um, uh, interesting episode you're seeing a lot of startups uh, actually file for ipo here right not really setting up a uh, uh, shop in singapore or you know the us and 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 listing elsewhere right but uh, yeah so this is an interesting phenomena again you know some of the regulatory stuff has happened and also you know i think zomato's listing earlier has given a lot of confidence to indian founders as well that they can see those sort of valuations and they can see that sort of liquidity that uh, you know uh, that typically they expected abroad right uh, but here in india so this is going to be a very interesting uh, uh, podcast i mean do let me know if you have any questions for rajiv or nimish uh, i'd love to take it up with them so abhishek nirav any thoughts on these episodes yeah so uh just got my second vaccine this last week uh, okay. and uh, uh, i mean the seamless way in which the it infrastructure of covin also has sort of worked together with healthcare professionals it's it's actually quite amazing to see how yeah. uh, easily all this is working on the ground today uh, after yeah. initial hiccups but uh, yeah i think uh, 
I mean, when years go by, this whole vaccine effort will be something Indians can look back with pride, actually. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think the way we have sort of transformed last mile delivery in the last you know, couple of years is uh, truly remarkable, right? I mean, all of us remember that uh, Rajiv Gandhi quote of, you know, out of the one rupee, only some 10 or 15 paisa, I don't know what it was, the reaching the, uh, re having the desired effect, right? And uh, uh, seeing that whole last mile transform, especially in the most trying circumstances is uh, remarkable. I think whenever the pall of bloom lifts from this, right, uh, we'll be able to come out of this uh, so much stronger stronger really right nirav any thoughts on the startup episode yeah so i think this is a very positive development if you go back to like the dot com boom which was uh, one of the booms where companies like make my trip uh, went uh, public uh, they chose to list in nasdaq that was because you said oh the capital is in the west whereas like the business growth is in india and uh, so for better valuation uh, they listed in nasdaq uh, you had like earlier Infosys and Wipro having more ADRs uh, listed overseas as well. And now what is happening is if these companies list in India, uh, one is also this gives opportunity for Indian investors and retail mm -hmm. to participate in the growth of these uh, uh, startups. B, it's also showing that India as a country has become uh, richer. It's still not a rich country, but it's still a uh, middle income country. But there is a pool of savings. Uh, which can give you equivalent valuations and uh, this enables for investors as well as the startups to go public earlier. I think uh, US in particular has made too many reporting requirements and made it onerous. The cost of listing has kind of become unattractive and now India has stepped up here. So this is fantastic. Uh, yeah. This is like a great uh, initiative and uh, we hope there are many more IPOs to come. Absolutely. Absolutely. And hope we get allocation also. Right. <laughs> All right. So that brings us to the end of the Bharatvarta weekly this week. This was fun. I think we should do, uh, do this live more often. Right. Uh, so from Abhishek, Nirav and myself, thank you so much for joining us and do keep, uh, uh, you know, do keep updated on our social channels. We're, we're publishing quite a lot of interesting, uh, things and, uh, yeah. See you next week.